It's good to be with you guys. And um, yeah, we're going to have a look through that passage. Um, Last week, I shared a message called Wholehearted. And um, just to really briefly recap, we talked a bit about how um, sometimes in life we can kind of go through seasons where we're kind of wholehearted or like fully in for God and what he's doing. But then we get to a stage where we're like, I've done that for a season. I'm going to pull back for a bit. And we talked from Romans 12 last week about... um, Staying in that posture, a posture of engaged, of wholeheartedness in worship to God, wholeheartedness in service to God, wholeheartedness in love for each other, and that actually it will look different in different seasons. And this doesn't at all mean that rest is not important, that rest is still important, but you can kind of rest with a heart that's still engaged even. And in seasons, it will look different. It'll look different from someone in university, someone with a young family to someone who's retired service and worship and love, those things will look different, but the issue is a heart, a heart that's active, that's engaged with God, that's trusting Him, that doesn't sort of pull back and say, I'm done, I'm, I've tapped out now, that's, that's it for me. Um, so we're going to kind of keep going with that theme and that idea um, applied to the idea of being generous. Because in a similar way, we might be able to sometimes approach generosity like that. We might sort of, for a while, have a season where we're really generous and, and we've got a heart that's engaged, that's open, that's giving, that's sharing. But then we might feel the temptation to say, oh, okay, we've done that for a while. We've, we've been generous. We've done our years of generosity. We've, we've given enough. And now it's just time to hang back and protect and just stockpile and, and just, just pull, pull away and not actually stay engaged in generosity. So I'm going to sort of take that picture of saying engaged and have a look at how, what does it look like to live a life where we have an engaged, generous heart constantly that reflects God's generous generosity for us. And what I want to do is look through Luke 12 um, that Karenza just read out because Jesus is addressing um, particularly generosity in the context of money and he addresses one of the big barriers or big things that will actually block us and stop us from being people who are generous from being people who have open, whole hearts that are ready to give and ready to share. And actually, something that might actually cause us to pull back and to protect and to sort of just, just sort of want to look after ourselves and not want to share at all. And he starts to talk about worry and about anxiety, particularly about not having enough. So I'm going to read through and, and look through this passage because it's so interesting how Jesus... Um, deals with these big topics, but then also starts to talk about real everyday things at the same time. So he says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. This isn't the context. He's just been talking about wealth um, and, and using wealth wisely for God. He says, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. The context that you saw at the end, he starts talking about generosity. And it's this idea that actually, when we're so worried about even the basics of life, the idea of sharing or giving, actually, that sounds dangerous. That sounds scary. It's easy to get focused on making sure we have enough. But Jesus says, life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Life is more than our possessions, our money, the things that we have. And Jesus is talking about these big topics. But then he does this amazing thing, then he just starts to talk about the birds. 
And, and we looked at this passage last year in the, in the Way series, and, and I feel like it's good just to keep bringing it up because it just so challenges our way of viewing the world and thinking. Jesus is talking about money and wealth and worry, and then he starts talking about birds. He says, consider the ravens, or some, some translates it crows. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Jesus says to people who are worried about not having enough, and Jesus is not talking to people who are like worried their house is not big enough or worried that they're, that, like, they're not going to be able to go on a holiday this year. Like Jesus is talking to people who literally would be worried about not having enough to eat. Like He's talking to people who, who are following him, who maybe don't have jobs, who are quite poor, and he tells them not to worry. And then he looks at the birds and says, don't you see that God is feeding them? And the interesting thing is, he says ravens, and ravens or crows are actually like unclean birds. So these are like the birds nobody likes. This is like ibises. It's like, it's like God, God cares for them. Like he, they, they get fed. They get looked up. They don't have a bank. They don't have to stockpile. They just go around and they go around Lilybrook and the dump bins and all that sort of stuff. But like, they find food and 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 it's interesting, right? Because you might be listening to this and you're like, "This that sounds ridiculous." Like, like the way that we tend to view the world is like scientific, materialistic. Like the birds have food because that that's the ecosystem, that's the habitat. Like that's how they get food. Like it's not because God is feeding them. Like like that that's kind of how we tend to think. But that's not the way that Jesus is viewing the world. In a similar way, he says this, consider how the wild flowers grow. He starts talking about flowers. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? You have little faith. And again, he's talking to people who literally are not sure about whether they'll have clothes. And he says this to them. And again, we sort of think, nah, like flowers just grow naturally. Like that's how they work. Like it's the habitat, it's nature. It's not that God causes them to grow. That's just scientific. Like, like that, that's kind of how we tend to view the world. But you see, Jesus doesn't view the world that way. Jesus is, is all for science and understands all that stuff better than anybody. But he sees that God is actively involved in the world. That actually, yes, the flower is growing, but God is actively involved in that. That God doesn't just set it up and then disappear. He's not just far away. It's not just like an empty space. But he's a father who created us and who sustains us and is intimately, actively involved. That actually the birds are fed because he cares, because he's present. The flowers are growing and are beautiful because he cares and he's active. And yes, there's science, but God is involved in that as well. And that's actually how Jesus views the world, that actually God is intimately and actively involved. And what he's saying is, if God cares that much about ibises and flowers, won't he care that much about us? And actually, he's inviting us into a whole different way to think about life and the world and what it means to be created by a loving Father. And what he's inviting us to do is to trust in that. He, as he highlighted just at the end, that he highlights that actually 
There's, there's a bird there, bird and flower. And, and you can, what, what Jesus highlighted at the end is that the issue is actually a faith issue. It's actually we don't believe that God is a loving Father who we can trust. He, he says to them, again, to people who have real needs, he says, you have little faith. And he's inviting us to actually trust and depend on a Father who's made us, who loves us, who cares, and who provides. And that, 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 that's the place to be. It's interesting, this quote I saw this week, greed can never get enough. Worry is afraid it may not have enough. And that can often be our posture, particularly if we don't, we're not trusting God we kind of just maybe not even thinking about him. We just get caught up in life and, and needs and, and, and work and, and saving. And, and we can easily be afraid that we won't have enough. And it's so strange, even particularly for us where we live. Like, like it, it, there's so much food everywhere. Like, if you go to Coles, there's just food everywhere. Or the, like, like it's, there's just an abundance in our society but it can still, we can still be worried that we won't have enough. Like when something slightly goes wrong, people go to the stores and just buy all the food because you're just worried, like, what's going to happen? We might run out, even though there's like heaps. Or it's kind of like, I don't know, when you go um, traveling maybe and you're like away for one night, but you just don't know what's going to happen, so you need like all these clothes. So like you just overpack because like, what's going to happen? Maybe we won't have enough. Maybe I won't have the right thing. Like we can worry that we don't have enough. And then, then there's, even if when there's an abundance, you can still be worried. Like, even, even when there's way more than enough, the issue is more of a heart issue. Maybe there's not going to be enough when we, we worry. But actually, Jesus invites us to trust that God will make sure there's enough, that, that God will provide, that he has an abundance for us, and that we can trust him and we can rest in him. And again, uh, it's interesting. I listened to a podcast by some guys who did a series on this. It's called The Bible Project. It's an awesome podcast. They did some stuff on generosity recently where I've got some of this to share. And, and it was interesting because they were talking about this passage and then they started saying, yeah, but what about all the dead birds? <laughs> or like, what about when you see dead flowers? Or like, what about the times when people actually obviously don't have enough food? And what do you do with that? And they kind of didn't really go down there that, that, that track, because they sort of said, that, that's where we tend to go. Like, we tend to hear Jesus say that, and then we say, yeah, Jesus, but what about this, and what about that, and what about this? And, and they said something really interesting. They said, they, they reckon, Jesus would say, well, yeah, sure, but did you actually listen to what I said? Like, did you actually hear my point? Like, yeah, there may be these sort of exceptions, and, and it doesn't mean everything's just going to be perfect and fine, but Jesus' point is that we have a Father who cares, who's trustworthy, that he's intimately involved in the creation, that we can depend on him. And easily, sometimes, we just go to the exceptions and actually miss the point that he's, that he's making. And yet the exceptions are, are, are valid, and the, the questions are valid, but actually, he, he's trying to get us to think differently and, and come from this place of faith where we trust and depend on him. So that's the first step to be able to be engaged in generosity. He keeps going and he says, and do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. So that's the issue again. The issue is a heart issue. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things. So that's like all the nations, people who don't know God, who don't know that there's a loving father, that's how they live. Their, their heart is set 
on the bare necessities, on making sure there's enough, of providing for themselves. He says, don't, don't live like that, for your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. He starts to talk about focus, that actually our focus is not to be consumed with having enough. It's not to be consumed with material gain. And again, for, for most people in our culture, the issue is not that we just have food and, and clothes. It's much more. It's, it's the holidays, it's the houses, it's the savings, it's, inve- it, it's way bigger. But we can still be consumed and focused on that, on the material things. And Jesus' invitation is to not let our heart be set on material things, that life is bigger than that, and to focus on his kingdom. And his kingdom, in some ways, can be summarized as heaven coming to earth. We pray um, in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, God's will is done. It's a place of goodness and justice and beauty and truth. And Jesus has come announcing that that reality we can access now, and that one day that will fully spread over the earth. And actually, Jesus invites us to focus on that, which involves focus on relationship with him and focus on relationships with others, focus on serving and, and seeking and, and seeing what he's doing and being involved with that. Because it's so easily in our hearts just to be focused on, do I have enough? Can I look after myself? Do I have my desires met and be consumed in that way? This is how the message, um, or sorry, Tom Wright's translation of this verse, he says it this way, this is what you should search for. He's saying all the other people, they're searching for food, they're searching for drink, they're searching for material wealth. Actually, what we should search for, what's our focus, is God's kingdom, is what he's doing in the earth. Then the rest will be given to you as well. I love this picture because it kind of summarizes what this might feel like. In that, that, that lens, you look through the lens and it's actually the right way up, whereas everything else is upside down. This is kind of an upside down focus in some ways. It might feel like that. The natural fact is right way up. It feels like the right thing to do is pro- provide for ourselves, look after ourselves, meet what we want, and then if there's a little bit left over, we, we give. That, that feels like the correct thing to do. But Jesus, in some ways, is saying to do the opposite. He's saying, focus on what God's doing. Be involved with what God's doing, and he will make sure that you have enough and that you're provided for and looked after. It's not, okay, if I've got some leftovers, I'll do what God's doing. He says, no, focus firstly on what God's doing, and he will make sure that there's enough that he looks after and provides. It's this kind of upside-down flip in terms of priorities that actually is, is a whole different way to view the world, that the most important thing is being connected to this God, is being on board with what he's doing, and it's not an afterthought if there's some extra. It's, it's, that's the primary. And he will provide and work through everything else. But again, this can be difficult to keep that focus. Or it can be difficult to trust, again, that he will add what we need. It's easy to just freak out and think, well, no, if I do that, there's not going to be enough. Um, even just this week, I just had an experience of that um, just in myself. We... we you guys know we do a food, food hamper. Morton Bay Community Matters hands out food hampers on Thursday mornings. And sometimes we get calls up from people who like, miss the Thursday morning. So they call up Thursday afternoon and, and look for food. And often there's some leftovers, there's some dry food, and we go down, or Jill, Jill Tony go down and, and pack up some food, and people come in, and, and we're still able to give them something. And on Thursday afternoon, I was just sitting out, outside, and the phone rang, and I went to pick it up. 
I'm kind of focused on something, so I'm kind of already a bit annoyed that the phone's rung. And then, and then this person calls, and they're, they're asking about the food, and I said, oh, no, that was this morning. Um, kind of like, maybe you can make it next week. And I kind of said in a way that is like, I said it, but it's not very generous, but like, I was like, if you're really desperate, like, we can make you up some dry food. I was like, really hoping that they don't say yes. Like, like, because I was just, uh, and this is just me being honest, like, and, and like, and they sort of said, oh, okay, we don't really want to bother anybody. It's all right. We'll, we'll come back next week. And, and I went and sat back down, and then there was a car in the car park that then drove away. And I'm pretty sure the person that calling was in that car. They were literally right there. All I had to do was go and put some food in a bag, and they would have had some food. And I just felt so convicted afterwards. Just like, I'm just being frustrated because I'm doing my own thing. I'm worried about not having enough time to get what I need to get done. So I don't want to help this person with generosity. And it's like, I just missed that opportunity. God might have wanted to meet that person and help them. And that wouldn't have been a big deal at all. And just felt that, that thing of like, oh, I've just been operating out of worry. Worried, and not, not so much money, but time. Like, I, felt, I think sometimes time's even harder. Like, I don't have enough time to get everything done. I can't be generous with my time because otherwise I won't get what I need to get done. And actually just felt challenged by that. And it was, it was actually cool. So I was just sitting and just sort of praying about that and, and just feeling like, just to get real sort of regret that I missed, missed out on that. And, and a lady walked in just at that time who needed quite a bit of help. It actually took a bit of time, probably like an hour hour or so. But I was in a posture then of like, okay, I want to be generous. So I was like ready. I was ready to help. And it was like, that was good. So I don't know. God was in that somewhere. But, but it's hard to keep that posture of actually, I can just trust that God will give me enough time to get done what I need to get done. And there's still needs for boundaries. And, and it doesn't mean we say yes to everything. But, but at the same time, a, a posture of that trust and a focus on Him and that He'll provide. He'll, he'll come through. So he said, trust him, focus on his kingdom. And then he, Jesus starts to talk, and in this intimate, comforting way to this small group of people who are probably quite poor, he says to them, do not be afraid, little flock. You see Jesus' care and concern. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. There's these little people that Jesus is saying, God the creator is delighted to give you his kingdom. Like the ultimate treasure, the ultimate reality to these people. Therefore, he says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Jesus, from that place of trust and focus, then really starts to talk about generosity. And actually starts to talk about giving generously. And this idea of actually investing through generosity. Again, it's, it's a flip in how we might think. He's actually saying by giving, we're making eternal investments. That it's not actually, sometimes we think we give and then that, that money's gone. And like, yeah, in the natural, that's true. But Jesus is saying, you're actually putting your treasure somewhere where it will never wear out. Whereas if we put our treasure just in a bank account and we store it up and it's really, really good, one day that's all going to be gone and it's, it's going to be count for nothing. But he's saying, actually, if we sell our possessions and give generously into his kingdom, our hearts go that way and actually that treasure will actually last forever. It will never wear out. It's eternal. 
I don't think, he's not saying you can't have possessions. He's not saying to sell everything. Like other followers of Jesus we see in the New Testament had possessions. Possessions are not bad, but that they are to be used for the kingdom. They're to be used and stewarded for what he's doing. Eugene Peterson translates this. I like his translation of this. He says, be generous, give to the poor, get yourself a bank that can't go bankrupt, a bank in heaven far from bank robbers, safe from embezzlers, a bank you can bank on. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. That actually what we give to, what we focus on is where our heart goes. And Jesus says, don't focus your heart just on food and drink and clothes or, or investments or just material pleasures that are just going to fade. Like, focus your heart and give generously into his kingdom, into relationships of love and service, into work of justice and rightness and goodness. And that's actually what will last forever. It's actually not losing, it's gaining eternal treasure. Like, and, and that's not prosperity. That's not saying, like, oh, if you give, God's going to give you more money. Like, that's not the point. It's saying that you will be gaining true treasure, that actually the kingdom is the true treasure. It's the treasure that lasts. So there's actually this invitation to give generously, to actually see that that's actually what we're called to and is, is the, the focus. It's interesting, even there's this verse in Ephesians. Paul's writing and, and talks about people and says something like they, they need to stop stealing and start working. And he doesn't say so that they can look after themselves and save what's money. He says they need to start working so that they have something to share. It's almost like one of the main things that we're to do well, the main things we get to do when we have work and have income is use it to give. It's like not just a little bit left over, but actually, oh, that's actually the first thing we can do in some ways. That's the exciting thing we can do. So this, the, thinking through this then to actually sustain a heart of, of generosity that, that again needs wisdom and it's stewardship and it's, and it's thinking through with God, but it actually is a way to make eternal investments. So how can we keep this sort of engaged heart um, of generosity is, is trust in our Father's care and provision. Remember the birds and the flowers and think the way Jesus saw the world that, that's immersed in the love of a Father, a Creator God. Focus then on what's eternal, what, what counts His kingdom and the work that He's doing in and through us uh, individually as a church in the world and therefore give generously. And that, that's not even just finances, but, but any possession or, or time or just of ourselves to others, making eternal investments. So saying whatever season we are in, we can live generously, trusting his care, focused on his kingdom and building treasure that lasts. And again, this will look different in different seasons. And like we said at the start, the point is not how much money or how much time, that the point is a heart thing. And, and this will look different for a young person to someone who's retired, to someone with a family. It, it, there'll be different times and different seasons, but it's a heart that's still generous, that's still giving. Daryl Bock asked these questions. Jesus is talking about our basic approach to life, or our heart. Are we anxious and lacking trust in God, constantly trying to gain control of things that are often beyond our control? Or do we trust God to provide and concentrate on honoring relationships by pursuing righteousness and serving others with our resources? 
in many ways, the picture is, do we live a life that's consumed with, with ourselves and with pulling and protecting and keeping and controlling? Or do we live a life of faith that's about giving and it's this openness and this love and this trust? And that's obviously way easier said than done. And obviously, that's a massive battle. And this is not like, okay, good, I'm going to go be generous all the time. Like, like this is a journey of, of growth and direction and, and we want to, that's the thing to keep growing in. That, so that whatever season we're in, we can live that way, trusting, giving generously. It's interesting that Jesus has said this, like I said, after, in response to talking a bit about wealth. And the reason he was talking about wealth was because of a question that someone in the crowd brought to him. Um, and this is the question. This man just sort of yelled out to Jesus, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide my father's estate with me. This guy sort of runs up to Jesus and and he's, he's obviously upset there's some issue with inheritance, and he thinks Jesus should, should t- talk to his brother and get him in line and make sure this guy gets the money that's rightfully his. And Jesus' response is to say, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? And he says, beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Like, that's such an important statement that Jesus makes, particularly for our culture. Life is not measured by how much you own. And then he tells a story about somebody who we would probably consider very, very successful. Someone who in our culture would have done the right things, who would have been wise with money and resources and wealth, made a lot and be set for life. You might know this story. It's the story of the rich fool. Jesus tells it like this. He told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Like we might sort of say, that sounds pretty smart. Like he's, he's done well, he's worked hard on his farm, he's had good produce, and he needs to store it, and now he's set for life. He doesn't have to work anymore, he can just relax, he can just sort of enjoy retirement. It's, it's all really good. And, and we might sort of, he might be a picture of success for a lot of people. But Jesus then says, but God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Like in a fully just materialistic world, no God, that makes perfect sense. Like just get as much as you can and then have as much fun as you can. But in an eternal world where there's a God who, who is, we're going to stand before and, and who is our Father who cares for us, and the things of his kingdom are the things that will last. This man has all this wealth, but didn't consider that actually that is all just going to fade away. It's all going to be gone. And instead of using it for God and to invest in eternity, he's tried to set up shop here, and then it's gone. And he's even gone sooner than he thought. Again, the message translation translates that last verse. That's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. A couple of guys I read talked about that when you listen to this parable, how much this guy just feels like this is all rightfully his. He says, I don't have enough room for my crops. 
I know I'll tear down my barns and build bigger. I'll have enough room to store my wheat. I'll sit back and say to myself, these are all my stuff that I've worked for that I own. And God actually says, well, no, that's not true. Like, like he's God, and, and this guy belongs to him. And, and he's just filled life with self rather than given and served God. And we might think that he's a success, but in the things that actually count, in what Jesus is telling us to think about the world, he's a complete failure. He's got it completely wrong. He's completely missed the boat, is Jesus' point. And that's why he says, be on guard. That that's, that's not the way. And then later on in Luke, Jesus tells another story about someone that we might think is a complete failure, an old, poor widow, someone who obviously doesn't have barely any money at all, maybe doesn't have many relationships, for all measures in society is probably just thought to be nobody, not cared for, not noticed, not recognized at all. Yet Jesus starts to talk about this widow in Luke 21. It says, He looked up and he saw the rich putting gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. And again, we might sort of say, well, that wasn't very smart. Like, you got, this is all you got, and you're going to give it away. Like, that does not make any sense. Like, you need to use that to look after. How are you going to look after yourself? But Jesus doesn't see it that way. Jesus sees someone who's generous. Jesus sees someone who trusts the Father. Jesus sees someone who's focused on the kingdom. And Jesus sees an amazing, successful woman who gets it. And Jesus says, all these people who are giving all this amazing amount of money, but it's just sort of the leftovers, they don't get it. This lady, all she has, she gives everything to God. And he says, she gets it. She's given more than all of them. And like, how does that work? It works because it's not, it's not talking about material measures, but kingdom measures, that what God measures, our hearts, it's not about the amount, but the generosity and the love. And this, this woman is a success in the kingdom. She's given it all. And, and the invitation, I suppose, is to live that way, to, like her, trust God, to focus on his kingdom, and to give generously, making eternal investments. And again, we see that, the, that Jesus is the one who did this more than anyone. And again, we might sort of say, well, to give all your money away, like, that's not smart because then, then you don't have any more to give and, and how will you look after yourself? And, and absolutely, like, that's, that's smart and that's wise and we need to be good stewards. But at the same time, there might be times when that's the right thing to do. And we see this in Jesus, that Jesus didn't just give the leftovers. Jesus didn't just give the extra or Jesus didn't just give some and keep some for himself. Jesus gave everything all his wealth, all his life. We read this in Second Corinthians, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Jesus has talked about this, 
And then he does it. He fully gives everything, becomes poor, even offering his whole life in generosity so that we might become rich. And we, like even we celebrated that communion, we receive him. We believe him. We have him. And if we have him, we have all we need. We have Jesus. We're in his kingdom. He's, we have his father as our father. We have his spirit. And, and that, that's the things that will last for eternity. Like we have all we need in him, and therefore we can live in this posture of generosity in the same way that he did. And again, that will be different, different seasons. That involves listening to God and being wise and, and faithful to what the Spirit's saying. But it means that we have a heart that says, I have all I need in him. Therefore, I can live like him and give fully to him and to others all the time. And we say, actually, actually, God, whatever state and I'm, the stuff that I have I'm using, is, it's all yours anyway. I give it to you now. And if you want me to look after it and use it, then that's good. And if you want me to give it away, then that's good. It's all yours anyway. I belong to you completely anyway. And actually, you're all I need. And actually, the, the invitation is that we stay in that posture. That actually, to pull back and say, actually, no, I'm just going to store for a while. I'm, I'm going to pull away for a while. I'm going to depend on self for a while. That's actually not the place of life and joy and, and the kingdom. Maybe it feels smart sometimes. Like, I just need to look after myself for a while. But actually, no, Jesus would say, no, don't worry. Trust the Father. Focus on his kingdom and give. Stay in that place. Even as, as an old widow, giving everything. Stay in that place of generosity. So let's stand together and let's pray. And then, then we're going to sing um, to finish off the, tonight, this morning. Father, thank you that, that you are our Father. And we just ask that you would continue to renew our minds, that, that we see your closeness, um, your intimate involvement in our lives. Um, Jesus, would we see you and your heart for us more and more, your great generosity in the cross, that you would become poor so that we could become rich. And Jesus, would you show us just how rich we are in you and give us grace to focus on your kingdom and to think your ways. Um, increase our faith, we pray. And Lord, we just thank you that the way you measure success is not the way that maybe our culture or maybe how we tend to think is measured. Help us to measure things in your kingdom through your lens, um, serving you faithfully whatever season we're in. Uh, so just, yeah, lead us and, and guide us in this in your name. Amen.